I understand what, what my risk uh, profile is. I understand natural immunity, um, mm-hmm. which is also a key player in all of this, right? And the, mm-hmm. uh, the absolute unwillingness to even have the conversation. So let's just get right into this. I'm talking with Greg Hill. Now, maybe you've seen this gentleman. Uh, I've never spoken to a meme before. Uh, he's the pilot uh, who refused mandates. He's done three tours in Afghanistan. Thank you for your service. He was also a commercial pilot. He has a great thing that he's doing right now as well in regards to free to fly, which is an objective that he's moving forward with, with I believe, uh, another pilot. Uh, we're going to get into that. And I'm very happy to have you on the show, Greg. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So number one, when did you do your tours? Uh, between 2004 and 2006. So I finished up uh, in 2006. The summer of was my last two-month uh, flying tour there. I did six months in 04. A mini stint, I think, in 05, later on in 05. And then uh, I finished up, literally came back from my last deployment, packed up my uh, my boxes and went off to the to the airline. Yeah, the airline, phenomenal job, but uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed my time in the military. Certainly my tours in Afghanistan were the most rewarding experience uh, of my of my uh, career, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I spent four years in Petawawa, Ontario. So oh, okay. I understand how important the military is to this country. And I mean, I was, you know, ground zero seeing it happen during, you know, the war efforts as well. So again, I, I do want to say thank you for that. And... I was really surprised when I mentioned that you were going to be on this show and it was not that long after Remembrance Day and some of the backlash that I got uh, from the words that were on your meme. I mean, I was shocked. Number one, just you being a veteran. Number two, you Mm -hmm. hadn't even had the opportunity to open your mouth and speak for yourself. How did that meme come to be? Um, well, it was something that I certainly thought about for a long time and, and wrestled with. I, you know, I always joke and say that my goal in life really, as far as, at least as far as my career was, I hope to, you know, hit the ripe old age of uh, 60, 65, retire and have everybody say, Greg Hill, I've, I've never heard of him, right? Like, you're the gray man that walked out the door and nobody really, you did your job safely and effectively and the people you work with respected you, but, uh, but that was it, right? So uh, it was fairly reluctant, uh, but it was, I guess you could call it a cost-benefit analysis. Where's our nation going? Where do I see the cause of freedom going? And really, if you look at Free to Fly itself, uh, we started with a very small group of, uh, of pilots. Uh, Matt and myself are, are directing it. He's the other gentleman that you alluded to. And, the, you know, the goal of it was we watched where things were going fairly early on, Um I remember sitting there and thinking, I, I can see that, that a vaccine mandate is coming uh, and I have some concerns with this. And we're going to be on the pointy end of that because we're, you know, we're international travelers just by nature of what we do. So we started with a fairly small group of pilots. And part of what we wanted to do uh, was use our voice as essentially an archetype. Pilots are typically looked at as, as people that are invested very deeply with safety. Our whole job is really risk mitigation. You, you want to make sure your aircraft is safe and flyable. 
your whole goal is the safety of all those people that are sitting behind you. So when it came to, 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 to whatever that was last month, um, a large, a large battle really with where we're going uh, or not going in terms of freedom is, is the mainstream narrative. So we look at social media. I'm not a fan of social media We're we're on there kind of, uh, you know, shake hands with the devil, I guess is a phrase some people, uh, some people use. So we're, we're using it, but, but I'm, I'm trying to be fairly realistic and 95% plus of what we do on social media is really reinforcing bias. And I, when I say bias, I mean the opinions that, that I share and really what needs to happen is impacting that middle ground of the population that I think they just want to get back to quote unquote normal. Uh, it's, if, you know, one more booster, uh, maybe I'll take one more booster. I just want to get back to normal. So we're trying to get them to think. And we have noticed that, you know, you look at Corporal uh, Daniel Bulford, uh, the RCMP guy who, who, uh, who spoke out, had, a, had, a, had an impact, I think, on, on the broader narrative. So part of it was to say, I'm willing to take some risk in terms of my own reputation, because I understand this, this issue is highly, highly polarizing. So the backlash that you, that you talk about was expected, but it was meant to, to say that as somebody whose job is obsesses about safety, you know, you ask the spouse of a, of a pilot, how pleasant it is to live with somebody who's always looking for something to go wrong. Uh, we wanted to seize on that. And, and, and I think courage begets courage. And what we want to do is to get people to stand up because there's a lot of opinion that happens on social media. And again, I said, they don't particularly like social media. And part of the reason I don't is because it, it, it almost outsources our responsibility as citizens of a nation to take courageous action, posting a tweet, Posting a picture, you know, or, or, or something that you were behind which you can remain anonymous is fairly simple. And it doesn't, in my opinion, make a great, a great difference. But when you're willing to stand up and say, I, with a name and a face, have an opinion on this. And I feel strongly about it enough that I walked away from an incredibly good uh, career. So that was the intent behind it was to really, I was hopeful that others would also say, hey, I can do this. I'm willing to put my face and my name out there. So why? Like, why bother going through all of this? Why the strong stance on the mandates? Uh, like, why did you not want to take part? What was the strong part of it for you? Was it the fact that, you know, you do have a military background uh, to where, you know, you're fighting for freedom and, and that whole deal. And now here you're faced with a situation that you never thought you would ever have to maybe face in your very own country. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think the military background certainly helped inform that. Um, I, I grew up in a military family as well. My father was uh, was, an, was an army guy. He actually jumped out of the airplanes that I flew many years ago. He was an airborne type. And so that helped, you know, over the years, uh, we grew up in Europe uh, for a season. So I would see and, and I would hear as a child, uh, we'd go to Holland, uh, and 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 these old men and women would would thank my family for what we did for their country. Right? You you saw the cost that was that was borne. Uh, we talked a little bit about Afghanistan, um, you know. And I, I I look at what happened over there. I, I was flying with with a young guy uh, just before I I ended up uh, out of work, and he had a good grasp of history. And it was when the the troops, the final troops, were pulling out of Afghanistan. Um, 
and we ended up speaking about it a bit. And I actually wasn't quite up to speed on what was happening in terms of the images that were coming out of there. Uh, and I tell this story just because I think it's a powerful statement to, to, the, to the price of freedom. And you looked at Afghanis uh, clinging to the undercarriage of a C-17, leaving Bagram, I think, and plummeting to their death. Mm-hmm. Uh, horrible, horrible scenes. But what that tells you is they knew from experience uh, what happens when freedom is gone. And I think our, in our nation, you know, we've had 75 years of, uh, of peace in this country. And that's great for, for building national walls, but it does not do a lot to build resilience and to truly understand the cost of freedom. Uh, you know, it's that old phrase of smooth seas don't, uh, don't build skilled uh, sailors. I think from, from our national perspective, uh, we, we don't fully appreciate what we're giving up. So to your question, that's why it was that important to me. Um, I, I guess one phrase I, I use that's, that distills it into a single uh, statement is differential risk analysis. That's why. Uh, that's why my reticence. Um, to you, to use a flying metaphor, um, at the airline, I, I was uh, you know doing a lot of uh, the shorter type stuff, narrow body. Uh, flying, so we we you know go to uh, one city, we'd come back, and frequently we'd be running a little bit uh, behind. Uh, I, I always said I didn't rush because I, I'm not smart enough to rush anything, and the airline doesn't want us rushing things. So I say it's it's like running late for your flight to uh, to New York or something. You get in late from Ottawa, and uh, you run a little bit behind. And we you could actually assign a statistical number as to the odds of that airplane, the aircraft, the airline gave you being not flyable, very, very low, you know, 0.0002% maybe. But if I showed up at my aircraft heading off to New York with 150 passengers, and I decided in order to salvage on-time performance, I was going to skip my walk around. I wasn't going to read the aircraft manual. We're going to push a few buttons as we taxi out. We won't brief. We'll get airborne because the odds are probably pretty low. I probably wouldn't be flying anymore. And yet with this, uh, with these injections, it's the equivalent, uh, you know, in terms of drawing a metaphor between the two, the difference with, with the two, which is actually very troubling, is in terms of the long-term uh, safety concerns and the long-term, even the efficacy, nobody really knows uh, the number for sure. And, and I know because I've asked, I've asked doctors, I've talked to scientists, and in terms of the long-term um, the long-term harms, nobody, nobody can really tell, but, but my, my airline accept, expected me to do that with, with my own body, right? Right. So if I can just jump in there, here's a question that I'm going to ask because I got it a lot when I, I made the post about you coming on the podcast. Now, you can correct me. I'm not sure, but I believe when you're in the military is that you are subject to a number of vaccinations. Are these vaccinations that you can say yes or no to. So I, I understand why you're not so big on this one in regards to the mandates and some of the information uh, that you've come across. But just in regards to answering that question for that person wanting to label you a, as being an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm familiar with that uh, question. And I guess the short answer would be apples and oranges. Uh, we're talking for sure. I remember sitting in the uh, MIR with my little yellow book. Uh, for those that want to bring up the yellow book, 
Um, but we're talking, you know, if you want to talk about something like uh, polio or measles or hepatitis B, I mean, the, if you look at polio, for instance, it uh, you know it started somewhere around 1962. Uh, it was the first, uh, I believe, vaccine that, that rolled out as far as polio, but the development started in the early 1900s. Uh, measles the same, you know, it was around 1954. The first vaccination, I think, was in 1963 or 1964. So we're talking sterilizing versus non-sterilizing vaccines. This is not, uh, it, it's, the equivalence is simply not there. You've got a proper long-term study uh, that shows both the efficacy uh, as well as any potential side effects, right? And, and again, differential risk analysis. Um, I understand what, what my risk uh, profile is. I understand natural immunity, um, mm. which is also a key player in all of this, right? And the, mm-hmm. uh, the absolute unwillingness to even have the conversation about natural immunity. I mean, this is this is the part where, where I do get fairly frustrated, you know, when you talk about uh, scientific uh, method, for instance, right? It's a, it's a fairly robust and standardized uh, course of of, of action when you're talking about the scientific method. And the first thing you do is you ask questions. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, we went from there are no stupid questions to there will be no questions. And God forbid you ask the wrong ones. That's the, probably the point uh, where I started thinking something's amiss here, right? If we, if we as a society cannot ask the good questions, uh, then what? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's interesting being in the military to where you're used to taking orders it's not necessarily a dictatorship but people tell you what to do all the time and you are supposed to follow orders Uh, and here we are right now in what's supposed to be a free country where people didn't sign up for these mandates they didn't sign up for this tour uh, and they're being told what to do uh, and for whatever reason and this is where i find it a little bit disturbing is to where people truly believe that choice is being given here uh, opposed to an ultimatum, right? Like you stay at home or you lose your job, whatever it might be, you made a choice. Uh, I think that is so harsh. And I just want to speak, you know, on you personally, you feel very strongly about this. A lot of people feel very strongly about this. As you mentioned very early on, you walked away from a very, very good job. And this has had some pretty serious repercussions on you like you've had to kind of adjust your entire life to stand by your beliefs yeah yeah and i i appreciate you acknowledging it i guess i i don't want to be a sympathetic character in this because uh i I, I guess it's my personality to always look around and think well there's there's somebody else who's who's worse off you know you look Mm -hmm. at uh, a single mom living in downtown toronto with three kids uh, I'm in my fifties. Um, I'm not going to be homeless in a month. Uh, there's people that are far worse off who are the unsung heroes, the invisible ones who are suffering greatly by this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been some personal consequences. I've got, I've got some grown kids that live out on, uh, on Vancouver Island who are like-minded and it's a very, very long drive uh, for a visit now. But that story is being retold thousands and thousands and thousands of times across this country. And, you know, that's that's a family reunion. There's people who are being denied uh, some of the very necessities of life, I'd say. Uh, so. So, yeah, there's repercussions, certainly. Um, but but I'm one of hundreds of thousands of other people uh, who don't, uh, you know, have the 
the uh, the benefit of, of a platform that that uh, you know you blessed me with here this evening. So right. uh, I, I would point uh, anywhere but myself uh, to the people uh, within our group. You know, the, the aviation professionals, but uh, this is happening across uh, every industry. And I would say I have probably the greatest sympathy uh, for the university uh, type of age, the people who's you know they're they're budding dreams and to to look at a future and and ask what is it going to look like down the road if I stand courageously? And I've got kids who are standing courageously, you know, foregoing their, um, their education and, and otherwise, uh, what are they supposed to do longer term? And some of them are going to very, very dark places in the process, not just because of the injections, but also uh, because of what we've done from a policy standpoint with COVID. So, I mean, I won't open that can of worms, but uh, again, Differential risk analysis, right? Uh, it's uh, what, what are we doing uh, to, to these to these young people? Yeah, that's the one thing that seems to be getting thrown out the window would be the collateral damage to everything that we're doing, trying to solve one problem and creating a whole bunch of other problems, regardless what you think about the data, you know, regardless yeah. what you think about mandates. It's amazing how many people just don't seem to be paying attention to everything else that's going on around them. People are so focused right now on being right? Proving a point, uh, maybe not taking enough time to listen and ask good questions. I think that's one thing that's most definitely missing. And one topic of conversation that usually comes up with most people that I have on this podcast. Yeah, well, it's, I was listening, you, you're talking to a friend of yours, Kevin uh, Street, I think his last name yes. uh, was. And just, I mean, one of the phrases that I don't know if it was you or, or he that, that mentioned it, but was the unwillingness to open your mind. Uh, and that's probably uh, one of my greater concerns. And I'll be upfront and honest, and I'll say there's times that I'm guilty of the same thing. And I think, you know, I, I, uh, at times I, I, summon, I summon Jordan Peterson uh, a fair bit, but, you know, that, that idea of building your, your understanding of something by challenging your, your preconceived bias. And I think we've, we've failed to, to really open our minds. I, I even look at what's happening uh, down in the States. I mean, there, there's large swaths of the United States that has completely moved on, mm-hmm. like completely moved on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I call it the, the maple curtain. Uh, we've got this maple curtain and, and, and we're imposing almost, uh, uh, you know, a North Korean style of, of closed mindedness on ourselves. We still have the capacity from a technological standpoint to see what's going on around us and to ask those questions mm-hmm. that, that are foundational to something like the scientific method. But it seems like a good chunk of the population is not willing to do so. Uh, and again, man, we've got to ask some fundamental questions about where, where we're going and where this ends up ultimately. Mm-hmm. Well, look at Florida. That'd be a great example. Now, sticking with the states, Southwest, this was one thing that I found really troubling. And I know people within the airline industry, and they were the first people that I reached out to when I was trying to figure out who the heck you are, uh, because (laughs) you're truly an enigma. What was really troubling for me in regards to that whole story is that we were told a number of different things, and none of them were the truth. We were told that was it was a weather thing. We were told that it was a scheduling thing. We were told that people were just sick. We were told that the computers went down. And this went on for the better, the better chunk of a week. And at the end of the day, we found out that it was just a sick off where people decided that they didn't want to go into work because they didn't want to follow through with the enforced mandates. And a lot of them were talking about the health risks in regards to 
uh, being at higher elevations. And I'm really shocked with that. I would think I, the suppression of information is You're shocked by that. What really does it for me? Well, I don't know how I'm still shocked, but it it always. I said you came out of radio, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> and the the fact that they suppress information to where I think if anyone were to come out and say as a pilot and and incite the things that I just reinforced in regards to just not wanting to do it for health reasons that makes sense that wouldn't make the agenda look any more sour um so when we know that we can't get the full truth from the mainstream media at times it's very difficult for people to navigate well yeah for sure um we're connected with the u.s freedom flyers uh, who are behind uh, a lot of the activity in the states They're, they're kind of our parallel south of the border. So we checked in with them as well, just to ask uh, what was going on and what they understood. And, and they weren't directly related to it. That was something that happened specifically at Southwest. And I won't pretend to understand intimately what did happen at Southwest because I, I wasn't there. Um, but my understanding is, yeah, for the most part, it was uh, it was a, a sick off. And uh, demographically, I'm not sure. Again, this is secondhand. So uh, I don't want to be throwing things around that are, that are not nailed down. But I think a lot of their the Southwest uh, pilot population has a background um, in the military. Perhaps that gave them a better understanding of, of uh, some concern with, with where this was going. But I think more broadly, uh, the States is in a very different place right now as well. And that goes back to history. And I think a lot of where we're at um, is a failure to understand history, to look at the parallels of what, what's happened, whether it's uh, Maoist, China, Stalinist, Russia, or, or choose, your, choose your moment in history where things went very, very poorly. Uh, because of of incremental or not so incremental change, but it, you know, you look at the the states. I think their history in terms of the founding of their nation, uh, you know, out of revolution versus loyalty, which is is the Canadian uh, the Canadian background. I think that does inform perhaps how we we are acting. We're we're compliant, and people think, why are we so compliant? I think some of it is whether you want to call it DNA. It, some of it's in our history, but I do think. Um, Perhaps the American population understands a little bit more, or they certainly uh, grip their freedom with a little bit more tenacity than we do. And their constitution is also uh, a little less riddled with holes uh, than our own. So, mm-hmm. and how many people do you think right now are are still flying? Uh, from your estimation, from the conversations that you had with your friends and people that are in similar situations. Uh, are still in the air that really don't want to be people that went along with mandates that really didn't want to, but had no other choice, but to follow through, to be able to provide for their family or for themselves. There's a lot. And uh, I had a, uh, a very heated conversation with, uh, with somebody from the company uh, only a couple of weeks ago who was uh, ostensibly expressing their sympathy for my lack of employment. And I uh, thanked them very much for their concern, told them I was doing just fine, but uh, suggested they should be gravely concerned with the hundreds of pilots that are flying around aircraft right now uh, who put something in their body that they did not want to because they didn't have a choice from a financial standpoint. You know, and, and the, what's behind this, I would say, is, is evil to its core because it's attacking people at the very center of their being. Uh, their passion and their love for the people and their families. Uh, and there's people who genuinely are in a place financially where 
they don't they don't see any other way out and it's a fairly radical shift in your life to pack up sell your home move uh, uproot your kids uh, from their social circles your wife from her for her husband from their job etc so there is a good chunk of people and i talk to them from time to time and there's people that are 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 not doing great from a mental health standpoint uh, because they were forced down a road and again that's i'm saying that uh in terms of employees across this nation uh that are, that are really wrestling uh, yeah, i was talking on the phone with somebody not long ago who would, who would uh, just wanted to kind of talk about where they're at they're still flying and he started yelling uh, and i thought he was yelling at his kids in the background he was yelling because he was so enraged at the place he's been put in and the fact that they're starting to allude to boosters uh, along with other things now uh, so i mean that's that's where people uh that's where people are at I'm still in shock. Well, I'll bring, well, I'll bring <laughs> up one other thing because you 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 mentioned uh, somewhere along the way the vascular uh, concerns, and I can't remember exactly what your question uh, was. But again, I don't want to go deeply into the quote unquote science because science—I uh, forget who said it. I think it might have been Bruce Party, the columnist. Uh, actually, it wasn't Bruce, but uh, they said science has become a plastic word. It's almost lost its meaning, right? Uh, but but along the way, we did try to really point to genuine concerns to to make it not an emotional conversation. So we we actually got a document. I think it was sixteen or eighteen pages from the uh, Canadian COVID Care Alliance. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they are doing phenomenal work. They've got now 500 scientists and doctors uh, that are that are producing really really solid, credible, well sourced, peer reviewed. Um, or the sourcing is peer-reviewed, we got them to put together a document that expressed from a scientific standpoint, because we understand the limits of our expertise as pilots. We fly airplanes uh, quite well, but uh, when it comes to to some other things, uh, we're not that great at it. So they put together a document that expressed very clearly the, they actually said of all the professions nationally, those who are sitting at altitude on their rears for long periods of times, of time, they had really serious concerns, probably for our profession more than most. And they put that document together. We did hand it off to uh, to our union, and then it was handed off uh, at a later date to the airline uh, themselves. And a response from both uh, the union and the airline was absolutely nothing. Silence. Right. That should concern everybody. Yeah. And if people weren't asking questions before that, even you know, at the very least provide a counter argument, but to say absolutely nothing from people that whose jobs it is to, to be uh, deeply invested in, and, and understand this stuff intimately. Uh, yeah. It's right. Especially when you're responsible for human cargo, mm-hmm. you would think they would have an invested interest into at least responding to, yeah, that one obviously gets your goat right there. <laughs> I can kind of almost see it in your body language. That it's, it's, I guess it would be upsetting. I mean, because obviously you care very much about what you do. Pilots in general want to make sure that they're getting uh, people to their families safely each and every day. And to think that they even have to take a moment to maybe have to think about, you know, what's going on in their body and you know, when might something happen. I mean, that's just not where we kind of want those types of individuals professionally to be psychologically yeah well and it, i mean the the emotional part of it is not it is not and it was not 
uh, it had nothing to do with me wanting to salvage my career. Uh, the the emotional aspect to it is uh, part of it shock, but part of it is probably more horror at where we've gotten to as a society that we won't even allow conversations over things that are, as you pointed out, possibly uh, life altering or, uh, or or otherwise. That's that's the part where I get somewhat emotional, as I think, man, we, we've got to look at where history has been not that far uh, i'm saying go back not more than 200 years and look at where this ends up uh, in a very very dark place um and part of it i think is is the fact that we're, we're almost we almost can't believe where we're at right if, if you were to go back to 2019 in january and and visit your 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 former self and tell them what was coming in 2022 uh, you'd be carted off to the loony bin, right? Uh, and so part of it is is a uh, shock at, at where we're at. Um, but I think it's also the fact that, um, you know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, who, who speaks very, very eloquently and at some length to uh, to some of these dark places that society can end up, talks about it. And he talks about an arrest because they were rounding up uh, people and carting them off to the gulag. And the fact that uh, at what power do you resist? You know, an arrest is a... Uh, a series of seemingly incidental irrelevancies. And I feel like that's where society is at now. There's all these things that keep happening. It's like, oh, okay, uh, we're going to limit stores to 50% or uh, we're going we're gonna to slap a curfew on from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Well, it's just one more incidental irrelevancy, right? We're going to get through this. It's not going to, they're not going to pile up to the point where it really gets that bad. But you look at where we were at in January of, uh, of 2020, let's say, uh, and where we are now, these seemingly incidental irrelevancies have have piled up to the point where we we no longer recognize our nation. We certainly don't recognize it as a free and democratic uh, nation. Honestly, I mean that sounds like hyperbole and like I'm being extreme, but we've, we're subverting the basic democratic process. Uh, we're 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 carting people off. Uh, you know, you look at what's coming out of Quebec right now. You can't even walk your pet in the evening, right? Like, like people are getting, uh, I don't know that they're getting arrested, but I, I, I you know, there, there's stories anyway. And I'll, I'll preface that by saying there's stories on social media, which I don't put a lot of credence on. Uh, but, but that's where we're at as a society. This stuff adds up. Uh, and we got to give our head a shake and think about what, where the trajectory goes, right? Because, mm-hmm. because the government is going to expand control to the limits of what we allow Right, uh, and our job is, as uh, as citizens is to, is to understand this and hold them accountable. Well, I've said this on a number of occasions. It's kind of like these breadcrumbs. You just keep on picking up these breadcrumbs, and you take a look back, and you're like, "How did I get here?" You know, just think uh, of all these little pieces of bread. And you know, Julie Panessi and I talk about this as well, and just in regards to uh, you know the lack of critical thinking, and to where even hmm. uh, to, to mention critical thinking or asking questions like these are bad words uh, that that you're not allowed to use, and uh, I'm also a, a little disappointed and concerned like you are in regards to just where people see our freedoms and, you know, where do they start? Where do they end? And when it fits a person's narrative, something that's going on like today is a okay. Like someone that has no problem with getting Lord knows how many boosters or just making sure that they're, you know, keeping other people safe and, doing the right thing. I, I think that's fantastic. If that's what you want to do, I don't feel that I should be punished uh, for doing any differently, nor anyone else. 
And then mm -hmm. the, the scary thing is when this slides over to a narrative that somebody doesn't like, right? Let's say if all of a sudden they change, you know, this, this vax pass into just a health pass and what they want to start doing is cutting down obesity, right? Or cutting down diabetes. So you can't eat at these mm -hmm. certain places or you have to go to the gym three times a week. And I could say, Hey, right. look, I'm in great shape and I don't care. Uh, but mm -hmm. I see the bigger picture. It's not about whether or not, you know, it just affects me. And it's funny that, you know, people are pointing the fingers right now. And you hear a lot of this, you're selfish. Uh, when the reality is, is that there's a lot of people out there in your space that are fighting for everyone's freedom, whether they see it or not. And I think, you know, I got to commend you on what it is that you've done, the position that you put yourself in. You could have easily just made a meme and left it at that, Greg, but you didn't. Uh, you know, you stood tall, you put your face in front of the picture and, you know, you speak so eloquently and, and fairly, and I, and I believe, you know, justly, and, you know, you've really taken some, some hard hits and I appreciate you beating, I, I appreciate you being here, uh, speaking on behalf of others that don't feel that they have a voice. Well, I mean, the meme is really a small uh, part of it, honestly, it was, uh, it was a Sunday morning and I it was, uh, it was, uh, I expected it would get some traction just because we, you know, we we track kind of what what impacts and what doesn't, uh, and you know, people in recognized professions in a uniform, particularly, right. uh, like I said, Daniel Daniel Bulford, uh, I think, has done a phenomenal job of of speaking very eloquently. But uh, I, I was a little shocked at how far it went. But honestly, that's that's a very small. Uh, no, very small you know piece. what? I'm not it's, even going to let you get away with that. It's not small. It gave a lot of people hope um, because you know well, it's the it's the little person that's sitting there thinking, you know what. I, I just work at a grocery store. You know, what can I say that anyone's going to listen to? And then, you know, they can latch onto this, that there, there's someone, you know, that an influencer, someone that they consider to be reputable. And, you know, you, you speak for them and I'll, I'll tell you firsthand, you know, it matters. And I know you believe it plays a small role and that's okay. In your reality, it can play the smallest role as you want it to, but it really did speak volumes for people that didn't have that voice. Well, I guess if I could speak to what I was really hoping for, again, is that phrase courage begets courage. And I think history proves that. And, and there's, a, there's a misconception that in order to turn ourselves around from this, this dark trajectory we're on, that we need to get to 51 to 55% of the population in order to turn it around. I don't believe that. I believe, you know, 15, 20, but I, I don't even want to throw a number out because I do think there, it's a polarizing situation as we talked about. There's a, there's a small portion on one end that you'll never convince and a small portion on the other. And then there's whatever, 50, 60% in the middle that for the love of God, I just want to get back to normal and I'll do whatever it takes. I just want to go along with the people that seem like uh, they're, the, they're the winning team, essentially, right? And so part of what what was really behind that was to say, um, was to call the rest of um, those with, with an ability to speak. And I, I admire uh, many people in this nation who have stood up and spoken courageously. You mentioned Julie, you, met, uh, you know, Byron Bridal. Um, there's many others out there who have taken uh, far graver hits uh, than myself, but but if I could speak even to your audience uh, directly and say, if you have any opportunity to give a voice to this, you need to. Uh, for the future of our children and our grandchildren, it matters that much. And it doesn't mean that you have to impact a thousand or ten thousand people. This is a 
one by one battle. And it can be discouraging because it is, it feels glacial, but I've seen changes and the greatest changes happen in, again, as I said previously, within those relationships where you've got currency, where people care about you and you care about them and you're respectful. You don't beat them over the head uh, with endless bit shoot videos. You talk to them, you ask questions. Uh, you know, that's, that's the impact we need to have. But if there are those out there who are in a position of prominence uh, and you're you're sitting back, um, holding on to the good things that you have, uh, I would say you have um, a responsibility. And I think part of where we're going as a nation is because we fail to understand that with you know with with freedom, uh, there also comes some responsibility uh, and some accountability for where we ultimately end up. And I think if you're in a position where you have uh, a pretty darn good life, but you believe strongly about where we're going as a nation, uh, you need to stand up and you need to speak up uh, because we're all counting on you to do so. That's well said. Uh, like Julia Panessi also put, um, democracy is a job. We all have a job to do, mm-hmm. right? It's something mm-hmm. that we've just kind of sat on for quite some time and we haven't put a lot of energy into it. And now that it's being challenged, uh, now is the time for that silent majority uh, to speak up and and have their say and, you know, get a little bit of Greg Hill in them. <laughs> well, it's that, uh, it's that uh, quote of liberty is not the power of doing what we like, but the right to do what we ought. Uh, and I think that speaks to the responsibility that we all have uh, to seize our destiny. And, and it's a stressful time. And, and a lot of people, um, they kind of go on autopilot and want other people to, to, uh, to seize the reins. And, uh, and, and that's not, that's not working so well. Uh, we need to all uh, really do our part. So. All right. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time. It's really, <laughs> it's really amazing to talk to you. It's the first time that seriously, I've kind of just seen something flying around and uh, I did so much research on trying to find out more about who you were. And I honestly thought, cause I get sent so much stuff and that's one thing, please guys, if you're going to send me anything, verify the information. There's so many people sending out crazy things. So I honestly didn't believe you were real. So to be saying, well, you got to get a crazy guy in your screen now, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can call you anytime I want. Uh, so Greg, thank you very much for being right here on the Launchpad podcast. If you like the interview, please give it a like. Uh, subscribe, always uh, appreciated, uh, but more than anything, give it a share because you know it's the easiest way to help Greg's message get out there and be heard. And that's what we read, we need right now: are people going out there and being heard. You take care, be well, and love simply because you can.